Welcome to the GAIN Service Academy Admission Podcast. In these episodes, we will explore all things related to gaining a coveted appointment to the Air Force Academy, Naval Academy, and West Point. And here are your hosts, Rob Kirkland and Trish Penroth. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to another GAIN Service Academy Admission episode. We are here today um, to talk about the Merchant Marine Academy. Very excited. And I am your host, Trish Penrod. And I'm here with Lieutenant Chad Cleary, who is currently at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. Welcome, Chad. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, so let's just jump right into it. Uh, Chad, where are you from originally? I am from the great state of Texas. Awesome. And you are a Merchant Marine Academy class of 2018, right? That's right. Uh, So coming from the United States Air Force Academy class of 2011, there's only seven years between us. So do you think a lot has changed in that time? Or do you think the service academies are still pretty much the same? Um, I think members of your class would probably say they've changed a lot. Uh, I think there's (laughs) elements. I think there was elements of the academies that uh, were very much prevalent when I was there versus when you were there and, you know, between both academies. But, you know, they, they change with the times. And uh, But I think that the core concept and the missions of them remain constant throughout time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and when you were thinking about uh, joining, you know, applying to the Merchant Marine Academy, did you apply to any other academies besides Merchant Marines? Yes. Um, so I applied to the Coast Guard Academy, the Naval Academy, and the Merchant Marine Academy. And then ironically enough, I commissioned in the Air Force. So you've got a little bit of uh, all the services. <laughs> yeah, I uh, tried to. <laughs> um, which, which uh, were you accepted into all three service academies? So I was waitlisted in the Coast Guard Academy. Uh, I, I did early admission, tried to get in first shot. And so I got waitlisted in December of my senior year. And then I got accepted to the Merchant Marine Academy in January. And then I got rejected by the Naval Academy in March, April timeframe. And yeah. so I took the took the appointment that was in hand and um, no regrets since then. And if you were accepted into all three of those today, knowing what you know now, would, you, would that have changed your path? Oh, absolutely not. If, if anything, it would have made certain uh, that I would have gone there. I mean, I'll be honest with anyone who's listening to this, uh, Merchant Marine Academy was not my first choice, but thank God that that was the one that I ended up getting into and graduating from because I would not have had the opportunity to commission into any other branch like I did at the Merchant Marine Academy. Coast Guard <laughs> Academy was actually my first choice. It's funny how those things work out sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> it, it truly is. It truly is. <laughs> so um, your brother is an, a naval officer and a Annapolis grad. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. And uh, what year group was he? He was class of 16. Okay. So you had a couple years of him being there before you showed up. Right. Right. It was, we got to, I went to the army Navy game both his junior and senior year, which were my plebe and sophomore years, respectively. Oh, I so bet was that was a neat. blast. Yeah. Yep. 
And did you think him uh, being in Annapolis kind of influenced your your application there? It absolutely did. I mean, the the service academies in general, I think, are very much overlooked by the mainstream high school public. And uh, I mean, before junior year, I had no concept what the service academies were. I mean, I heard my brother applying to him my sophomore year and my freshman year of high school, but it wasn't until he actually went there I started understanding the significance of them and the reputations that all of them had. So uh, without him going to the Naval Academy and, and, and taking that initiative to pursue that kind of option, I certainly would not have been to, exposed to the opportunities that were presented to me my senior year of high school. Wow, that's really interesting. I think uh, fairly common too. You know, I didn't find out about the Air Force Academy until my junior year and, and kind of applied, started that whole application process pretty late in the game. Thankfully, I snuck through on the deadline. Right. It, it is a it is a lengthy deadline between getting everything in line, not to mention building your resume, but it, it definitely. definitely helps to start early. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when you, you know, when we look at the Merchant Marine Academy compared to the other service academies, it's a little different. Um, and I, one of the main differences to me is just from a top down view is, is the size of the Merchant Marine Academy. How big was your class? Yeah, it's it's a lot smaller. So my class started with uh, about 250, 260 people. Uh, something that's pretty unique, at least from what I've gathered from conversations with you know my brother, other uh, service academy grads from the various academies, is we have something called setback, an academic setback. And so um, I think it's a good time to explain that right now and how that kind of influences and shapes class sizes. But if there, there is a forgiving aspect at the Merchant Marine Academy. Uh, you have uh, four years of pretty intense school, sea year, and there's a number of opportunities that present themselves where you could slip up academically, and there's not really time to recover like you would in a traditional college aspect because you know the timing of going to sea, being at the academy. And so what happens to a, a large number of people actually is they get academically set back. They get pushed back a year. And so... We probably gained, uh, and we started you know, with about 250, 260. We probably ended up gaining about 30 people over the course of my four years that started in classes above me. Um, wow. And then we ended up graduating with about 180, 190, somewhere around there. That's a pretty high attrition rate. It is. It is. Uh, it's... It's it's very it's an intense uh, academic curriculum and it's very unforgiving based on the timing of of C year and the responsibilities that you have and the obligations you have to fulfill uh, to 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 get all your academics done while you're at C and it, well, let's it, talk it about is, that let's talk about sure. C year what is what is C year sure so uh, C year is something that is very unique to the Merchant Marine Academy. Um, so the Merchant Marine Academy altogether, the, the, the mission of it, at least when I was when I was there, it changed actually twice. But you know, it's to educate and graduate leaders of exemplary character to serve in uh, marine transportation and defense positions, you know, across the world and stuff. And so a Merchant Marine officer is someone who who delivers goods. Um, you know, a, a couple big highlights of the merchant marine in history have been World War II and the first Gulf War, getting cargo 
getting assets overseas uh, and allowing our warfighters to do their job. Huge we, mission. Absolutely. Um, and so those are the those are the two big recent highlights of the Merchant Marine. And being in the Air Force now and where a lot of members of the Air Force don't know what the Merchant Marine is or, or don't know what the Merchant Marine Academy is about, I always like to explain it as um, it's, it's the Navy component to U.S. Transcom, whereas the Air Force has uh, Air Mobility Command, and that's our component to U.S. Transcom. That's active duty Air Force pilots flying transport uh, aircraft. The Navy has Military Sealift Command, and that's actually civilian mariners. That is, in finger quotes, the Merchant Marine. That's, wow. a, that's a big component of the Merchant Marine. And so uh, they, they're out on, on Navy ships uh, that are just civilian crews. And so you'll have a carrier strike group, and they'll actually have three or four ships in that carrier strike group that are civilian ships that have extra oil for, you know, for the ship, for the, for the jets. They'll have food, it'll have water, it'll have all that sort of stuff. The ice cream, can't forget about the ice cream, but... Uh, <laughs> priorities. You know, priorities, right? Um, you know, you got to keep the sailors happy when they're out at sea for an extended period of time. So that is, that's what the Merchant Marine Academy is about. And so when you're there, uh, you know, you, you're training so that you can be an officer on, on those ships, a civilian officer, a Coast Guard licensed officer. And part of that training is you have to spend a year at sea. And so between your sophomore and your junior year, you actually spend an entire year at sea. So um, I spent the first part of my sophomore year at sea and then the the third part of my sophomore year and the first part of my junior year at sea. And so broken up into three separate cruises. Uh, essentially, yeah. So it's two different blocks of time. I was on four different ships in that amount of time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, what, types of chi- uh, what types of ships? So the first ship was uh, a, a row-row ship. So basically uh, a, a car carrier is what it is. And on that ship, I, I ended up circumnavigating the globe uh, on my first ship. That was pretty wow. neat. And so, yeah. you know, we, we had all sorts of types of cargo. Um, we had just standard cars that we were shipping between South Korea and the U.S., but we a bulk of the cargo was, you know, DOD cargo for, you know, going to all sorts of ports in the Middle East and, and in South Korea as well. And so... Yeah. Um, and what were your duties on, on board that ship? So I, I guess, you know, we have a format, but... The Merchant Marine Academy, the, the academic curriculum is structured and divided pretty much into two different ways ahead. The first being deck and the second being engine. And so um, deckies is what we call people like me who studied how to be a deck officer, meaning a watch officer on the ship. So standing bridge watch on the navigational bridge, uh, you know, learning how to do line handling out on the on the bow and on the stern during you know mooring operations and so that's really what i was doing when i was at sea is i'd be standing watch uh i'd stand at watch every day and uh, in addition to that you know there's always work to be done on a ship always 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 maintenance to be done you know chipping paint painting yeah. Yeah. you know it's it's universal you know across all the different services. And so 
I would do some of that every day and uh, it varied. But what? in general, the, the whole mission of the decky is to be able to stand a, a navigational watch and be the officer on watch and solely responsible at that point in time for the, the safety and safe navigation of the vessel. That's a lot of responsibility for someone who is in their second year of college. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, fortunately, we, we do have oversight. There, there are licensed officers on the bridge. They don't just yeah. fuck us up at the uh, <laughs> you know, navigational bridge and say, all right, Still. cadet midshipmen, go, go, go get it. But uh, it, it is, you know, the, the officers, they have all done it themselves. And so they do try to make every attempt possible to, to give us some level, some degree of autonomy, because ultimately yeah. that's what's going to be expected to us as soon as we graduate. And, you know, where is the tangible line between you're a midshipman and you're, you're an officer? You know, that's, it's a very uh, hard line. And so they, they do try to give you some autonomy when you're a cadet, when you're a midshipman, so that you're able to feel comfortable when you're actually no kidding the person which yeah, once you graduate absolutely practice practice like you you play absolutely and uh of of the four different uh vessels you were on which one was your favorite experience um that's really hard to that's really hard to say um i mean the the row row ship that was really great because i got to circumnavigate the globe uh, i was 19 years old and i went to 13 different countries yeah. That was just incredible. Absolutely. But my, my second ship was a container ship, and that's a, a liner service, meaning that it's very structured schedule. I mean, they will have port calls on the hour every 35 days. You can predict exactly where that ship is going to be on like a 35-day uh, rotation. And so I, I went to Northern Europe three different times. I got to see Stonehenge. I got to you know, go to a couple of cities in Germany and see yeah. all my favorite soccer teams and mm, stuff. And I can see why you like it. So it was, it was neat. Um, and, and that had its own really cool, uh, stuff. And then the third ship was a, a Navy ship out of uh, Norfolk. And that was really cool because I was close to the U S and it was the fall and football season was getting started. And, you know, I got to I got to catch some games, whereas when you're in the middle of the ocean, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand miles from shore, you're not you're not catching any of that. So, you know, all three of them had good experiences. Um, learned a lot in all three. Learned a lot of different stuff in all three. Each had their own, you know, unique aspects. Different ships are you know operate different ways, and um, I, I I can't give you an answer as to which was my favorite because I, I well, really enjoyed okay. all three. That's great. That's really good. And uh, I guess this kind of goes, this plays into your talking about the deck and the engine um, tracks in terms of the majors that, that are offered at uh, Merchant Marine Academy. It seems like it's very specific. So you don't have like history and political science, like you, those opportunities that you would have at the other academies. No. So so when I was there, and I mean, three years ago isn't that long, um, but they have changed the curriculum a couple times. And I think they even added a degree or took away a degree when I was there. But uh, I think what's still constant is there's five total degrees that you can graduate it with. And so on the deck side, you have marine transportation, which is essentially just like your deck classes. And then with a focus on 
business and the the business of marine transportation. That's a, that's a massive industry that is oftentimes overlooked unless you have some sort of stake in it. Um, and then in addition to the deck side, you have uh, maritime port security and logistics. And so that's what I majored in. Uh, and so the difference between the two is pretty much the logistics, uh, the maritime port security and logistics has a capstone project at the end. And you take a couple extra classes focusing on logistics, supply chain, and business. Um, on the other side, on the engine side, you have engineering. And the, the core engineering is marine engineering. Uh, obviously, anyone who graduates as an engineer from the Merchant Marine Academy is going to be taking a marine engineer Coast Guard license exam, just like anyone who graduates on the deck side is going to take a, a, a deck exam. And so... Uh, everyone focuses on marine engineering, but you can also break out into systems engineering, which is a standard systems engineering that you'd find at you know any college or university. And then you have shipyard engineering. And so just the specialization of the engineering that occurs within shipyards. And so those are the three different types of degrees for the engineer. So yeah, I mean, we, we are afforded pretty much only five degrees. Because the we have to ultimately serve the mission of the academy, and that's to to graduate people that are capable of performing the duties that are required of merchant marine officers. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And do you would you say? Um, let's talk a little bit about your background. You commissioned into the Air Force as an acquisitions officer. Would you say that your undergrad has has helped in your current career field? I would say I'd say yes. Uh, you know, when when you're picking out AFSCs, they they generally don't let you apply for certain AFSCs that uh, you don't have enough classes in your undergrad for. And so, coming from a business background, acquisitions is very much business esque, and some things just inherently make sense to me in acquisitions that uh, might not otherwise have made as much sense to someone who focused in STEM or. Uh, you know, in, in a liberal arts degree or, or something of that nature. Yeah, um, absolutely. But ultimately, acquisitions, and I think a lot of jobs in general, not just in the Air Force, but in society, or, you know, a lot of on-the-job training. So I, I think my undergrad did afford me some leg up, but ultimately, uh, it's not substantial catch-up that has to happen once you're on the job doing it. Yeah, that on-the-job training, I'm sure, is, makes a huge difference, too. Absolutely. Um, so another major difference with the Merchant Marine Academy is the congressional nomination process. And uh, so for the other three main service academies, you have uh, congressional vacancies that are filled by district. So each congressman or congresswoman will have five vacancies that they can fill with slots. And uh, we recently talked about that in uh, one of our most recent episodes uh, if you're interested, by all means, go back and listen to that. But the interesting thing with the Merchant Marine Academy is that congressional uh, nomination vacancies are filled by state instead of by congressional nominate uh, districts. So, and also uh, looking at the stats, there are a lot less um, obviously members of Congress who've nominated people just because the interest. I think a lot of people aren't aware of it. Uh, and, um, it's just a whole different ball game. So, but I've heard the, uh, saying before Chad, that 
it's a lot easier to get accepted into the Merchant Marine Academy, but it's a lot harder to graduate. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Um, no, I mean, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I, I am surprised though. That's, that is news to me that the, it was when I was applying back in 2013, 2014, there was 10 nominations that each congressman and senator was eligible to give. So I guess in that seven, eight year time frame, it's gone down to five, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way it was back when I was applying. It's, there's certain spots that are allocated and guaranteed to state. Um, the Merchant Marine Academy is significantly smaller and obviously you, you can't have 538 people, uh, you know, have one of those principal nominations that end up with a, an appointment. Yeah. And so like in my congressional district, in my year group alone, I had myself and two others actually go to the Merchant Marine Academy and all oh, three of us fantastic. eventually. Yeah, it was, it was good. I mean, I'm, I'm coming from one of the Houston districts. And so uh, Houston is a, a massive maritime city with the ship channel there. And so there was a lot of knowledge about the Merchant Marine Academy and there's a footprint there for maritime. So uh, we ended up having myself and two others graduate from there. And there's a, a handful of others from the Houston area and other congressional districts that were ended up getting nominated. Um, but yeah, ultimately it, it is by state. Uh, and so it's a different kind of comp competition and, uh, you know, it is what it is there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the, but what, what I will say is that the Merchant Marine Academy does, I think have one of the, if not the highest acceptance rate out of the five academies, it's, it's still, you know, low down there, but I think it's the, the highest acceptance rate. I think, you know, maybe because it's, it's people don't really know about it. Not many people are applying. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, there's, there's the well-accepted connotation that, you know, the big three service academies have in society. Those are very well-respected, very well-known. And so a lot of people apply to them each year. It's um, interesting because we've um, worked with some clients who didn't really know about the Merchant Marine Academy and um, hopefully going to be accepted in this next year. Uh, but we, um, it, it, people just, the opportunities are so amazing, you know, like talking about C year and just all the different opportunities that you don't have at any other of the military academy. So it is really, really interesting. And, and to go back to the congressional nominations just quickly, um, each, each congressman has five vacancies, but they can submit up to 10 names per vacancy. Okay. Gotcha. So, so that's how that works. Oh, um, oh, that's right. Cause one per year essentially is kind of exactly. yeah. tracking now. Okay. Yep. And, um, what would you say, uh, your typical daily life looks like? when you're at the Merchant Marine Academy and, and what are the sailing opportunities like? Sure. So, um, you know, I'll start with daily life at the Academy, uh, simply cause I think that's relatable to anyone who's at any service Academy, uh, full disclosure. I, I love the Merchant Marine Academy. I'm very proud that I was, I went there and, uh, but I, I will say for pretty much anyone who's ever went to a service Academy, uh, you know, you're, you're a college age kid and you, you think that you, you're, you see all your high school friends at normal colleges and, you know, you look at yourself like you're kind of in a prison, yeah. um, especially, especially when your freshman year, when, you know, the, the rules are hard and there's a lot of transformation in between high school civilian life and into, you know, the officer development that ultimately has to occur when you're at the academy. And so it is very strict. 
Uh, and so a lot of the elements that exist at the Merchant Marine Academy are consistent with the other service academies. So uh, I say that I say obvious, I say that analogy with a with a grain of salt, but uh, um, I just wanted to put it put it out there. So you know, the, I, I I guess what I mean by that is a lot of the elements that exist are can are are consistent across all the academies. That having your your door open at, at six a.m. Uh, as a plebe and you know doing cleaning stations and doing cleaning you know the the restrooms the showers the deck the floor outside the hall um you know room inspections in the morning so you know cleaning your room mopping it sweeping it wiping it down uh, not and definitely rooms. not the normal college experience definitely not the normal college experience so that's where that whole analogy comes in and, and all of this occurs before the sharp time of 7 a.m uh, and then you have uh, breakfast, and, and that's where the whole the whole regiment generally will be there at breakfast. And then uh, you'll have morning colors at seven twenty, and then your first class starts at seven forty five. And uh, you'll have anywhere between four to seven classes a day, depending upon which you know trimester you're in, which year at the academy you're in, and um, you'll do that Monday through Friday. And so the the last class will end at. 1600 so you know you're you're in class potentially eight hours a day the lunch hours from like noon to one and so you'll have lunch muster at noon or 12 10 something around there and then your, your fifth period class starts at 1300 in the evenings you'll you know that's where sports practices will occur intramurals happen uh, you'll be able to go to the gym work out um, dinner, you know, is not a regimental dinner. It's kind of go as go as you please, based on your sport, based on your intramural, based on whatever. Uh, and then in the evening, study, 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 get your homework done, uh, and then rinse and repeat. And that's your daily life, Monday through Friday. Um, as a plebe, you're not really afforded much liberty. Uh, put it out there, and that's kind of where that analogy comes in again. You're you're not really allowed to leave the campus. And so, but when you're, you're an upperclassman, you're a junior, you're a senior, you're afforded a lot more privileges and, and liberties and you're a 30 minute train ride from, you know, downtown New York city, Penn station. And so it's a, it's a pretty, pretty sweet spot to be. And I bet you don't take it for granted when you finally do get those freedoms and you get to go into New York city for the first time as a, as an upperclassman. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you end up going certainly you do have opportunities as a plebe you just don't get many of them yeah. but you know coming from texas and you know going into new york city it's a it's a completely different experience and it's a, certainly an experience to which i'm eternally grateful definitely but, um, you know to to have done it consistently i mean i would have never thought when i was 13 years old that i would know and understand the new york subway system as well as I do now. <laughs> so you know one of the other uh, benefits <laughs> all right exactly you know if i learned something i learned that but um you know so so that's kind of what your your life's at, like at the academy you're in uniform all day um you have different regimental functions that can occur uh in the evenings uh, on on the weekends whenever uh, and so whereas you're Cla your high school classmates might wear sweats and stuff to college classes. You're you're going to be in your 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 uniform. So yeah. uh, you know it is a service academy. C year is an entire different uh, like type of type of schedule and routine. And so I think at this point I, it would probably be good to explain you know how the Merchant Marine Academy is structured uh, yeah. from an academic standpoint. And so basically you have twelve academic trimesters in total. 
And so you'll have three each uh, of the four years. The first will start uh, in the middle of July and it'll end uh, like the last week of October. And then second trimester will start the second week of November and it'll go all the way till the first week of March. And then the third trimester will start the second to third week of March and then it'll end in the middle of June. That's a and very so full schedule. It's a very full schedule. And so I, I say it's three trimesters and people think, well, you know, that's that's just your your semesters are shorter. No, I mean, actually not. Um, you know, I, I had friends at the other academies when I was at the Merchant Marine Academy and our trimesters were essentially the same length as a standard semester. The difference was we weren't taking a three to four month break uh, between the summer. Um, our Christmas break was 12 days. And so it's very aggressive. Uh, yeah. There's there's really not much room uh, for on, on for the benefit. Whereas the other academies, you know, have that six week leave summer. I think it's BMT at the Air Force Academy. Yes. Um, the Merchant Marine Academies is only three weeks, simply because there's just not enough time in the schedule to have that full six week program. And so uh, the the call the the graduation will be June 16th, June 18th, something around there uh, for the graduating year's class. And like a week later, you'll have a new class enter. And then three weeks later from there, it's back to academics. And so people's people are taking exams right leading up to graduation. They don't um, mess around, but it makes sense when you have all these opportunities like C year in the mix. Exactly. And so that's 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 why they have to do it is that, you know, you have to ship out during your sophomore and junior year to get those C days that are credited for your Coast Guard license. And so the way they break it out is A split and B split. And Generally, you know, I'd say this is a completely uh, uh, baseless estimate, but just from anecdote, I'd say anywhere between like 60 to, I think 60% is a fair estimate of midshipmen at the academy are student athletes. I'd say it might even be more than that, to be completely honest. I'm just, I'm and when just you thinking, say student athletes, what, what do you mean? They're, they're, they play a sport. So they play, you know, an NCAA Division three sport. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think in my split in my company, I had 20, 25 people and I was one of three people, three or four people that didn't play a sport. Wow. Um, yeah, that's so yeah, it was, it was, it was significant for sure. Um, I was, I was going to play soccer, um, but I ended up getting a concussion my senior year and, uh, decided to put my soccer career behind me, uh, so I, that I could commission, but, um, yeah, good, good decision. No, absolutely. Uh, that was what was most important for me. So when, when I was there, most people are student athletes. And for a lot of people, that determines your split. And so B-Split ships out first trimester of your sophomore year and third trimester of your sophomore year and the first trimester of your junior year. And so that period is eight months. And then your first is four months. And so it's, it's called first and second sailing. And so uh, when B splits at C, A splits at the academy and vice versa. So A splits out at C their second trimester of their, um, of their sophomore year. And then they're out at C their second and third trimester, their junior year. So they will be there at the beginning of their junior year, ship out for eight months, and then come back and they're seniors at the academy. Um, wow. 
So the, the, but your sports largely determine your split. And so like fall sports, for example, football, soccer, volleyball, those sports all occur during the fall. And so those, those midshipmen have to choose a split in order so that they can play their sport all four years. Whereas on the flip side, you have basketball, wrestling, lacrosse, baseball that occurs in the, um, winter spring time frame where B splits the the much more manageable split uh to for your sport and so uh for everyone else it's kind of just you know they start with the athletes making sure that they have the correct split so they can play all four years because otherwise you you will miss two years if you're the wrong split and then uh for everyone else it's kind of just based on whatever the demand is in that class my class a lot of people wanted to go a split and fortunately for me, I wanted to go B split, so I got B split. And so I was at the academy uh, all four winters. And so a lot of people will like to do A split so they don't have to be at the academy for oh, two of the winters. That makes miss sense. Out on the, miss out on the dark ages. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> all, the, all the people from the South, too, I'm sure. All the people from the South. <laughs> so the Texan boy and me, we just wanted four winners. <laughs> just see what it's like. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so when did you, um, did you have any decisions in terms of, did you know that you wanted a commission to the air force? What led you to that decision? Were there any other services that you thought were interesting? You know, I, I just, I went into it all with an open mind. Um, you know, my, my brother, he commissioned in the Navy out of the Naval Academy. He didn't go Marine Corps and, uh, he wanted me to go Navy, of course. Um, and, but I was, I was interested in all the services and, and it was, you know, it's, you know, the dual edged sort of, you know, you have too many options versus you have no options. And, you know, I, the, for me, I very much was not necessarily victim, but I was participating in the, no, I have every option under the sun. I'm going to explore it. And so there was periods where I wanted to commission army. There was periods where I wanted to commission Navy. There was periods where I wanted to commission Coast Guard. Um, but when I got back from my second sailing, so November of my junior year, um, I had, you know, been away from the Merchant Marine Academy for eight months. I'm just kind of getting back into the swing of things. Um, and so, uh, the Air Force ROTC detachment out of Manhattan College came by and just essentially gave a sales pitch and said, Hey, you know, the Air Force has a lot of openings right now. We're significantly undermanned. And of course, the the manning requirements change by year, and uh, so at that, at that time, they were significantly uh, undermanned and pretty much had any like availability for us. And you know, when you're at the when you're at the academy, you you do all the same stuff that you do at ROTC. You take naval science classes, you take ethics classes, you know, you take all the prerequisites to be an officer in the military, and that. Uh, is transcended upon all, all the branches, but, uh, you take PT tests. And so they came recruiting and they, they gave a really good sales pitch. And I had never, I had truthfully before then never considered commissioning in the air force. Never. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's wild how it all kind of worked out. Um, but they came recruiting and there's just a million opportunities. And I, I realized that, Hey, you know what? Like I, 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 I was, what I did know was that I, I was very much leaning towards active duty. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a third generation officer myself. And, uh, so that, that concept of, of, of active military service was something that I did. I, I knew that I wanted to do, 
though I was open-minded to the concept of, of being a merchant marine officer and sailing and, and being in the reserves. But I, I, I did know m- mostly that I wanted to go active duty. And so when the Air Force came recruiting, it was just a, a sweet deal. I mean, they were they were proposing to us. And from that point on, I was just all committed Air Force. Let's, let's go get this Air Force thing. And here I am uh, almost three, four years later from that point. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, would you say that that's standard? Like, is it is the class kind of down the middle in terms of how many people go active duty and how many people uh, become strategic sea lift officers with the the Naval Reserves? So I, I would say in it's been in it ebbs and flows with um, with job availability in the civilian market. Whereas the other four academies, they they guarantee you a job as a as an active duty officer in one of the five branches, or yeah. one of the six branches now. But um, the difference with the Merchant Marine Academy is that they give you leeway in finding a, a job. So when I graduated, the shipping industry uh, to go out and be a third mate or a third assistant engineer, which is the license qualification that you earn. Uh, your last trimester at the academy, you have to take a pretty strenuous uh, test test process. It's the worst thing you do while you're at the academy, actually. Um, but you, that's that the job market for that fluctuates significantly. And when I was there, it was extremely hard for people to find jobs as third mates and third assistant engineers. And so, resultantly, a lot of people started just kind of taking taken the bird that was in their hand and, and commissioned active duty. So I think the 20 in 2015, uh, this, that senior class had maybe 25% go active duty. My class was pushing 40%, wow. uh, but it, it, it changes by the year. But I'd say in general about, I think what they say is a conservative estimate is, you know, about third, 33% commissions active duty. And I'd say that's a pretty consistent trend in, in the last 10 years. Yeah. And if, so you're saying that if you wanted to go active duty, there's room for you to do that. Absolutely is. Absolutely yeah. is. If not the air force, there's um, anyone who wants to go active duty will get a spot. They might not necessarily get the job they want and, and the branch of service for which they're applying, but they will get a spot active duty somewhere if they want it. And when do you have to make that decision and start the process to, to commission active duty? So every, every service is different. Um, of course, like the Marine Corps, for example, it's not just a straight graduate. You get your degree, you get your commission, that's it. You have to go to, when I was at the academy, they were just starting the process of allowing Merchant Marine Academy midshipmen to go to Leatherneck. Yeah. Um, my class and the class above me both had people go to Marine Corps OCS. Okay. It was broken up into PLC, uh, like phase one and two, essentially, is what it was called. And that's how they were able to become, finger quotes, Marines prior to graduating. So they could, no kidding, walk in their Marine Corps uniform at graduation as second lieutenants. Wow. Um, but uh, when, so you would have to do that either, you know, before or after the, the Merchant Marine Academy. I think a lot of people, now they formalize the process between the two academies. A lot of people that are going Marine Corps are now going either after their sophomore or after their junior year. Okay. Uh, so they can, they can commission Marine Corps. Um, and then if, if not, then they can, they can apply to 
it's, I don't think it's a, an application process. Actually, they just go to Marine Corps OCS, mm. um, and, and then they'll commission from there so they can fulfill their service requirement. Yeah. For the for the Army and for the Coast Guard, there's branch liaisons there, and I'm not exactly privy to the to the pool of billets to which they claim, but they do have a process in which you submit an applica- application and um, you get a, a billet. Uh, most people got the jobs that they wanted. I'd say 80% did in each of those two branches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Air Force, we commissioned through Manhattan College. Um, and that's how it's been done ever since then. The class of 2017 actually was the first class that had people commissioned through the ROTC detachment. Yeah. Um, they had five people and then my class was the second year and they recruited heavily towards us. And we had 16 people commissioned through the detachment and another two, uh, commissioned with the detachment, but they were commissioning into the air national guard. So they had obtained pilot spots and different guard units. Wow. What an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. So that's how they're fulfilling their commitment. And then the Navy, uh, the Merchant Marine Academy, of course, you're a Navy midshipman and the reserves at the academy. And your default trajectory is to commission in the Navy. And so throughout the academy, you take naval science classes so that you're a, a well-to-date, uh, adept naval officer when you commission. And so um, that's that's the... the that's your background. That's your expertise. And we, there's a, a big Naval science department at the Academy and you can just apply through there if you want to go active duty. And anyone who really applies gets a spot. Um, they might not necessarily all get pilot spots, but they'll get a spot. So you, you'll, you, you start all those processes for all the branches. Generally you're late junior year, uh, but definitely early senior year. They have so to you have able- some time. Yeah, you, you have some time, um, but especially for A splitters, you really got to make that decision fast mm-hmm. because you're coming back from being at sea for eight months and you get there. And fortunately, the way it's set up is that the first trimester starts in July. So it's not like you're getting back to school and it's already almost September. No, you're, you're there in July. So you do have some time to get your package in so that you're consistent with the ROTC seniors and other service academy seniors across the country. But you'll generally do that, um, you know, senior year. But it does help to to start thinking about it early. All of the services have programs at the academy that you know you can participate in and kind of get your name out there with the um, with the liaisons and stuff. And you know, like everything in life, you, if you put effort into something, people know that you're you care, you're serious about something. They're more inclined to really try to fight for you when the time comes to do that. And yeah, so like and for great the, qualities for officers to have in general. Absolutely. Initiative. Absolutely. Absolutely. So like for example, the the army program has a has an army ops program, an army ops club essentially. And you know, they'll do army ops PT three days a week at five or five thirty in the morning. And you know, people who want to commission army, they can get out there and they can do it and they can show their face and show they're serious. And you know, yeah, of course that's that's something that's admirable for any officer in any branch of service, but that's something that is available for anyone, you know, freshman through senior to, to get out and, and try to start learning about the branch that you're interested in and also just showing the initiative to 
better yourself and better position yourself for when that time comes to make a decision. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been a, a really great perspective. Uh, did you happen to visit the Merchant Marine Academy before you took the appointment? Yes, I did. I, I went my senior year, or not after I took my the appointment. I, I visited after, or I'm sorry. I didn't go to the, I didn't visit before my appointment. I got my appointment in January and I pretty okay. much just took it. And then I went and visited in April. So nice. So I, it was news to me, uh, learning everything and have already, already having committed. So, um, but yeah, I mean, still the fact out. that you, you went out there and to like start that mental preparation for what you'd be experiencing. That's very absolutely, helpful. Absolutely. It definitely, I guess, eases your stomach a little bit beforehand because at least you know what the surrounding area looks like, but yeah. You know. And that's something that we recommend to, to anyone who's interested in a service academy is all of them with COVID, it can be challenging right now. However, all of them have opportunities to learn more and to, to potentially visit hopefully soon. Um, so taking advantage of those. And, uh, you know, finally, what advice would you tell an upcoming high school senior or junior who's planning to apply to a service academy? Uh, apply early, uh, start the process early. Um, not just for the Merchant Marine Academy. If you're looking into academies, you're intimately aware of the intricacies to which the application goes into between the nomination, uh, between letters of recommendation, all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, I, I felt bad for my English and math teachers because that's what's generally mandated by all the academies. I had to end up getting like five letters of recommendation from each of them my junior senior year. So, <laughs> so befriend your teachers. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Be a good student. Uh, pay attention and, and focus on your academics. Um, if if you're already a junior or senior, it's kind of a little late to get involved. But you know, freshmen, sophomores get involved in national art societies. Uh, I was in. National Honor Society, Spanish National Honor Society, and Mu Alpha Theta, which was like the math honor society, because I just, I knew that, you know, you got to do everything that you can to make yourself stand out on those service academy applications. Yeah, that and involvement, so, it's key. Um, so, you know, as, as selfish as that sounds, obviously, you know, I was a proud member of all three of them, but, you know, you're very much doing that in the interest of, you know, making yourself and developing yourself into the person that the service academies would like to grab. So that's, yeah. that's my advice in general to, to all four class years in high school right now. But for juniors and seniors, it's certainly something you can't procrastinate on. You can't just say, oh, I'll get to it. Um, because if you say that, you'll never do it. Um, there's just too much involved with applying to the academies. You have to be extremely serious. And you know, for right reasons, you don't want people who aren't serious applying to the academies because each of the academies carries an extremely important mission for our nation. And so you only do want the, the most serious people doing it. So um, take Absolutely. the initiative, don't procrastinate, um, and, and really be aggressive and proactive with your application process. Well, this has been wonderful, Lieutenant Cleary. Thank you so much uh, for our listeners out there. We hope that this has shed some light on the mysterious Merchant Marine Academy and maybe uh, you know added it into your consideration um, for your students and as, you know, upcoming juniors and seniors. So thanks again for tuning in and we'll talk to you next time. You've reached the end of another episode of the Gain Service Academy Admission Podcast. 
connect with us at gainserviceacademyadmission.com. Love this episode of the podcast? Head over to iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you listen to to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you.